0: You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Romillo, credentialed reporter and the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. With the season upon us, I'll be looking ahead to what's next for the Heat and breaking down the latest rumors, trade possibilities, and more while still, of course, reflecting on this past season. Look out for an episode with Ben Goliver coming up within the next couple of days. He covered the entire NBA bubble from Orlando and has a unique perspective on the finals that you won't get anywhere else. But today's show starts off in Houston, where ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski is reporting that Daryl Morey, the general manager of the Rockets, is stepping down after 13 seasons of constantly rebuilding that roster. I'll talk about what that means for the Heat, What that says about Miami's stability and that could lead to James Harden soon wearing a neon blue jersey in the American Airlines arena. So here's what we know. After another disappointing season where the Rockets made a trade for Russell Westbrook and eventually went with their super small lineup that featured P.J. Tucker at quote unquote center, the Rockets lost to the Lakers in the Orlando bubble during the semifinals. They fell short of expectations with James Harden on the roster. They've constantly been viewed as a legitimate title contender for the past several seasons, whether that was with Dwight Howard earlier in his career or Chris Paul for a few years there where they came just short and kept running into the Golden State Warriors who were a dynastically good team, or even this past season when they were still viewed as a dynamic team that could put up a lot of points, that could attack you in very many different ways, that while they were going small, they wanted to do things their own way. Moore has always been willing to do things in a unique way. He's got a very unique perspective on how to build a team. Their head coach, Mike D'Antoni, either didn't get or didn't seek a contract offer. That's never been quite clear. There was friction there for a long time. He did not see eye to eye with the owner of the Rockets, Tillman Fertitta. And so he did not think that that was the kind of working relationship he wanted to continue. And so when his contract was up at the end of this past season, there was talk about him possibly getting an extension. That was dragged out last offseason where there was obvious tension up in the air and it became clear that Fertitta did not think very highly of D'Antoni or maybe it was the other way around. It's never been, again, quite made clear. But either way, DeAntoni did not seek that contract, didn't get it anyway, and he has moved on where he's a potential option to join either the Indiana Pacers or several other teams around the league who still have coaching vacancies. But Fertitta has publicly said that Mori could theoretically go over the salary cap. One of the big concerns is that Fertitta is known as, while being very extremely wealthy, does not, well, he's a cheapskate. At least that's what's been talked about among link circles, is that he does not want to spend more money on the franchise than absolutely necessary. That while he's been very public about saying that they could sign free agents and do whatever was necessary to build a team privately, he wants to avoid paying that luxury tax. And again, being somewhat of a cheapskate, has tried to cut costs wherever possible. Every move that he's made or that Maury's made at Bertita's request was basically viewed as, well, here's another cost-cutting move. When they traded away Capella to the Atlanta Hawks, it was seen as a a very short-sighted move to clear up some salary cap space after just awarding Capella a, a pretty decent center who went through some injury issues and still has a lot of potential and just never got a chance to play with the Hawks this past season. As another move that just didn't seem to make a lot of sense. Not only was it forced, they did force their hand to go much smaller than they wanted to, but they just they couldn't compete with the Lakers size. They couldn't compete with a lot of teams as far as uh, lacking that kind of presence in the middle. While there's still a need to have some versatility and have players that can change things around and be mobile. And, and certainly PJ Tucker fits that bill. You still want a bigger body in there. And it became clear during the playoffs that they could be exploited pretty easily because of their overall lack of size. So, After more than a decade where Maury was often seen as the face of front office analytics that have defined the league, if you think about where the league has evolved over the last few years, a lot of that came from Maury being among the most public front office personnel people to say, look, we value the three-point shot. That's not to say that they will take away the mid-range shot from part of their offense. The very simplistic view of analytics is, oh, it just forces you to take a lot of threes. That's ridiculous. Anybody who knows anything about analytics is that it's showing another part of the puzzle. It's a different piece. And, and quite honestly, it is a very effective one. It uses numbers to show, well, look, you can get to the line, the free throw line that is, and be very efficient with your offense. You can also shoot a lot of threes and you can also get those extra points. So despite being viewed by many around the league as one of the brighter minds, a guy who was always willing to make changes and was at the forefront of the evolution of the NBA over the most recent years, He's going to be bought out of his contract. He was remaining with the team in an advisory role to find the next head coach, rumored to be Jeff Van Gundy, who has since met twice with Fertitta. The GM position will be reportedly filled from within with Raphael Stone, the current vice president of basketball operations. He'll be taking over for Mori. Now, according to Wojnarowski, Mori might take some time off from the league. He's got a couple of kids that are at college age. They're taking a gap year due to the pandemic. They're not going to school so they're currently at home. If that's the case, Maury has, again, according to Wojnarowski, reportedly shown some interest at just spending some time with them. He's missed out on a lot of their growth. I know as a parent that it can be difficult not spending as much time as you'd like to with your children. For Maury, he might want to take this next year or sometime. It's not been determined exactly how much to spend it with his kids. He's also considering looking at other professional opportunities outside the NBA. So I'm not sure if that means looking at other sports, maybe going into the private sector in some way. It'll be interesting to see what the next step's for him. But should he remain in the league? How does it affect Miami? Well, first and foremost, he's not coming to the Miami Heat. I don't think that anybody in Heat Twitter or Heat fandom has called for Maury, and for good reason. There's already plenty of good, bright minds here. There's no need for a Daryl Mori type. As good as he is, as productive as he's been, and believe me, He has amassed the second-best record during the tenure that he's been with the Rockets. Miami is in a good place with their front office. Currently, the general manager is Andy Ellisberg, known always as being the guy who crunches the numbers in order to fit in the right free agent or to build the right team. There's a vision there with Pat Riley at the front. And while there's long been rumors that Pat Riley will eventually step down as president of basketball operations, I'm not sure if Maury is going to be the right person to fill that void there. So, who knows what will happen with Riles? But for now, I don't think that Maury is the right person to fill that gap. Dane Battier, who spent some time with the Rockets uh, during his tenure, but I, I don't know if he was there at the same time as Maury. To be honest with you, so I would not. Actually, now that I think about, it, yes, he was there at the same time. So maybe there's a connection to Maury there. I whether whether or not he feels like maybe he could be bring you know bringing in Maury as another bright mind in the heat front office to convert the, the heat to another potential option. Something I hadn't considered, even as I recording this show. Uh, it's been interesting to kind of explore that possibility of Maury perhaps taking over for Riley at some point. Now, I had always thought that Battier would be a good possibility of filling in for Riley. I know there are other potential candidates there, but if you want to continue to maintain certain stability and still keep a fresh added perspective, maybe bringing in Maury isn't such a bad idea. Now there are rumors, however, of him joining the Philadelphia 76ers, and that's a particularly more pressing concern because that's strengthening the opponent. And right now they lack a clear vision. If there's been criticism of current general manager Elton Brand, it's that he's not quite sure what he's doing sometimes. It's not you know, it's difficult to put together a team. I think everybody is aware of that. And I think you make certain moves in the hope that you're gonna build the right team or have everybody come together. You look at what the 76ers were able to do this past offseason, and I think a lot of people, myself included, saw them as potential title contenders, and that roster just didn't work. So you kind of hear more and more information. You hear about the dysfunction between Brett Brown, Jimmy Butler, and you look at Jimmy's growth in Miami and everything that he's been able to accomplish, and it's easy to poke fun at what the Philadelphia 76ers have done or not been able to do. And you always want to kind of poke fun at, at their inability to go deep into the playoffs, and of course they got swept this past postseason, but at the same time, you know, it's it's not exactly Elton Brand's fault. At least I don't think it's necessarily his. The reason why they'd want to bring in a guy like Maury is because he knows what he's doing. He makes bright moves. He, he understands how to change the roster around, and he's always willing to swing for the fences, something that I think in Philadelphia they can appreciate after all. The process was formulated by Sam Hinkey who was a quote-unquote disciple of Maury's at some point. So I think it, it, there's some kind of connectivity there. And I think as far as his willingness to make roster changes and pull off big trades, he'd certainly be an enticing voice for a Philadelphia front office. But now they just brought in Doc Rivers. They've got Elton there. I'm not sure if Morey is a great fit. It makes a lot of sense, but I'm not sure if he's actually considering it. Again, there's still a lot of up in the air. He was just reportedly resigned earlier today so between now and tomorrow who knows that could all change we'll find out more information with the Rockets in a possible state of upheaval will James Harden soon be on the trading block I'll answer that next you're listening to Locked on Heat Stay up to date on the latest roster changes, rumors, and more by subscribing to the show on your favorite app to listen to podcasts. And always get the latest episode by asking your smart device to play Locked on Heat when you get in your car to get your team every day. When I first heard about the Mori news after being with the organization for 13 years and retooling contender after contender and constantly making changes to that roster, my first thought was, well, it couldn't be the Heat. There's an undeniable pride. That Heat fans have in this organization. Obviously, they've had an incredible amount of success, not just this past season, but with Riley at the forefront, being the most public face of this organization and all the things that he's been willing to do. Being christened the godfather after 2010, building a contender, everything that he's done to change Miami and to make them the preeminent sports team in South Florida. Look. I know you can all get worked up. You can call for firings. You can call for replacements. You can ask for spo's head on a pike. You can ask for Riley to be stepping down years and years ago because he's lost touch. Hell, I remember writing about this years ago. I remember saying that maybe Riley had potentially lost touch after forcing LeBron out and forcing Dwayne out a couple of seasons later. So it, it was a concern of mine. I get it. I think that's just the nature of the beast. It's You want to see changes happening very quickly, and sometimes those don't take place the way you'd like them to. And that's why there's so much instability around the league. But there is a stability here in South Florida you won't find anywhere else. The same coach for 12 years throughout so many different teams, so many different iterations of this Heat team. And Eric Spolster has been there to lead all of them, from Dwayne Wade's best MVP-type years to, of course, the Big Three and everything that has happened since then. The same front office, basically, for a quarter century, 25 years of Pat Riley, Andy Ellisberg, and everybody else in this front office. But if you don't take my word for it, here's Solomon Hill, in his own words, explaining what that means to him.
1: Yeah, everybody's been here, you know, you're kind of like a rookie if you've been here less than 10 years. Uh, Everybody's been here like 20 years, and that's huge. You know, when you talk about being an NBA player and, and, and playing this game, you know, and you have other people than yourself, you know, like I have my wife. You know, I have my daughter, and that sense of comfort of, you know, people that come into this organization and the staff and the coach in the front office, when they tell you, they look in the eyes and they say, "I've been here for 25 years, 22 years." That's a sense of of comfort, a comfort that you can feel, that you feel comfortable with. You know, that you come here and know that, you know, everything's not a moving part. You know, yeah, some of the players are definitely going to be moving parts because that is the business. But knowing that you're in the hands of somebody that's been here, that's seen it all, um, that's been a part of championship pedigree, I think that's the biggest difference is that, you know, some people say they want to win it. But here you have people
0: that have actually done it. So there you have it, Solomon, breaking down how impressive it is to see the kind of stability that we see with the Miami Heat, how you just get a sense of comfort. And that stability means something. Lakers fans are upset over the past couple days about lots of things because we keep pointing out what childish people they are, how they keep claiming certain narratives that are basically, well, untrue. They've been very dysfunctional for a very long time. They don't like to hear about it, but that's the reality. And here are seven names for you. Phil Jackson, Mike Brown, Bernie Mickerstaff, Mike D'Antoni, Brian Scott, Luke Walton, and Frank Vogel. That's seven names, all of them. Head coaches over the last 12 years, the same tenure That Eric Spolster has been with the Miami Heat as their head coach. So I think it's incredible to look at that. And that's not just the Germain to the Lakers. That's teams around the league. They lack that kind of stability. You look at chaos in the Knicks, why nobody wants to sign there as a free agent. I mean, so many teams, year in and year out, they can't just they cannot seem to lure that big name free agent. And look, there are lots of factors to consider: big markets, small markets, good weather, state taxes, things of that sort. But look, it's just You don't want to join a team that's constantly viewed as freaking chaotic. So players, by and large, will tell you the thing that they want the most is to win. That's probably not true. They want to get paid first and foremost, but there's a good chance they've done that over the course of their careers, and so they want to have a clearly established legacy, and winning certainly helps that. But the thing that they also want, that they rarely get asked about, that they rarely tell you publicly, is they just want to know where they stand. I think that's human nature. You want to have open lines of communication. You want to know what it's like to be able to go into a team or to have an open door policy with your head coach or your team president. And be clear. There's nothing like this Heat team as far as the kind of stability, the level of communication, letting players know where they are on a day-to-day basis and what's required of them. Obviously, first and foremost, it's work. You need to come in there. You need to do everything that they ask of you. If you're willing to do that, you'll find a way to succeed here. They will take care of you financially financially will get you to where you need to go within the course of your career. That's something they take pride in. It's something that matters to this organization, and I think it matters to players. And so when you look at what's going on with Houston, with the number of coaches they've had there, with the kind of instability that's currently taking place in the front office, it's just one less team that can lure free agents. Reportedly, last summer, Jimmy Butler was considering the Houston Rockets to go and join James Harden there, to form another Big three there, potentially, play alongside Chris Paul. It was all chaotic last summer, if you recall. Chris Paul was being traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder. There was a lot up in the air. But even with Butler being from nearby Tomball, he did not want to play for the Houston Rockets. And I think they're just indicative of how chaotic that all is. And look, we've heard everything that's happened since then, that Jimmy obviously loves heat culture, that he feels a fit here with this organization, that he couldn't fit anywhere else. But think about that extrapolated largely into other free agents. Why would you want to join a team with a first-year head coach, whether it's Van Gundy or somebody else? Like he's not a first year, but he's a first year with this team, and he's going to be different. He's going to be—he has not coached in almost twenty years. It's been a very, very long time since he's been a head coach for in the NBA. So I, I'm not sure that he's necessarily qualified for that. If he does eventually get hired, who knows what's going to happen there? But you look at a new GM. All these different things, a cheapskate owner who's reportedly not, uh, well, he doesn't have the same kind of political leanings as most of the league's players. And so there's a lot that doesn't necessarily fit with why a free agent would want to sign there and certainly reflects very well in Miami. And that's my overall point is that when you look at Miami, their stability, everything they've done so well for so many years, that appeals to players. You look at this team, you look at what's expected of them, and yes, maybe the work, the load the constant body fat testing and everything else that that entails, that might be a turnoff, but you want stability, you want comfort, and you want proven remedies to success, you'll find that in Miami. Could James Harden be lighting up opponents in a vice jersey next season? I'll talk about that next. You're listening to Locked on Heat. Just a reminder that you can always reach me via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskLOHeat, or of course, you can always send me a direct message if that's most convenient. So what's next in Houston? Whenever there's a move, the vultures will always start circling, and you can bet that's already going to be the case. Bleacher Report has already published a story asking whether or not James Harden could soon be traded there, and I think... We don't know for certain what the next move is. And a lot of that depends on Raphael Stone, who is reportedly taking over as general manager of the team. We're not sure what his vision is. We're not sure whether or not he fits or aligns with what Maury's plans for this team are. They don't even have a head coach. Nobody knows what's going to happen next. And that's, look, even from the head coaching perspective and who you find to fill in that gap, a lot of that has to do with what kind of team you're taking over. And I found it interesting. I listened to the Zach Love podcast recently where he had... Frank Vogel on the show, and I liked Vogel. I liked talking to him regularly when I was in Orlando, and I was covering that team. Uh, Even if I was reporting on Miami, at least I was in the locker room and seeing Vogel up close and and, and knowing what he was like as a person and as a coach of that team. And I've always felt that there was a... Well, he's just a a very decent person. Most coaches, or some coaches anyway, you just don't connect with. You don't get a a good sense from. Uh, Vogel was not like that. And so... When he was uh, being interviewed by Lowe, one of the things he talked about was the potential trade for Anthony Davis. He he didn't even want to think about that. He didn't even want to consider that. But that's the flip side of that is that you always have to take into consideration what kind of team uh, you're going to be coaching. Part of the problem is that you take over a team and then that changes from underneath you and you start to coach a little bit more timidly or a little bit scared because you're coaching for your job as opposed to just coaching the team and trying to maximize them. And and Vogel, to his credit didn't do any of that. He went into the situation with the Lakers thinking he'd have that young core and LeBron James. Then they add Anthony Davis, and he stayed stable. He stayed who he is throughout the process. And unfortunately, it wound up being a very successful season for both Vogel and the Lakers. But as far as Houston is concerned, I think anybody they get to fill in there is going to enter into a very chaotic and unknowing situation because Stone could wind up changing a lot of that roster very quickly, especially James Harden. Why Harden? Well... You've seen over the last couple of seasons that maybe doesn't work, that maybe Harden breaks down. Maybe he's not easy to get along with. You make a move for a Russell Westbrook, a guy that you know can get along with James and at the same time doesn't lead to the kind of success that you were hoping for. And if you're going to restart everything, and a lot of general managers go in there wanting to do just that. They want to put their imprint on things. Think of (laughs) it like an episode of House Hunters where somebody goes and buys a new house and what's the first thing they say? It's like, well, I want to put my own stamp on it. Same thing. Think of your, your front office, your roster as your house. You want to put your own stamp on it. Why? You want to have players that adhere to a certain vision that you align with. Or you want a coach that is a reflection of that vision. It worked out pretty well in, in Miami. It's worked out there with Spolstra and Pat Riley, who are almost eye-to-eye on everything. In Houston, I can't see who's taking over that head coaching spot and is going to fit into a general manager who you don't know anything about. We're not quite sure what Stone wants as far as a team is concerned. Maybe he wants a center again. Maybe he wants to reacquire another big to contend with Anthony Davis and LeBron James and that front court out west. And if that's the case, well, then you're going to have to make changes. And the best way of doing that is by trading their superstar because you can get a lot for him. I'm not sure what that entails. Now, think about this. Maury joins the Philadelphia 76ers and they trade Joel Embiid to the Houston Rockets in exchange For James Harden. That's a blockbuster that I had not perceived prior to recording this. But I know we want to consider Harden to the heat. I don't think there's enough on this roster to make a trade like that a realistic one. You're going to need a lot. You're going to need at least another superstar. Plus some complimentary pieces or picks of some kind in order to sweeten that deal. And Miami just doesn't have a whole heck of a lot of them. So you could throw in a lot of what you like to consider in in normal uh, trade scenarios. But... Kelly Olynyk, Kendrick Nunn, and a future first-round pick isn't going to be enough for James Harden. They want something quality in returns. Now, the reason why I brought up Harden in the first place was because that's a name that has long been associated with Miami. I think it's a great fit. I think he could do the work here. He could be that next scoring superstar here. Personally, I think it would be a little bit more difficult just because it's not that he's a, a large degree an unwilling defender here, but most of inf- he can improve that aspect of his game. I think he could be a better defender. He's got the smarts. He's got the strength. He could do it if he wanted to. And I think Miami could bring him to another level. We've seen with LeBron James that you can become a greater player than you already are when you join Miami. I think Jimmy took a leap in his development. I think that's the appeal for Giannis Adetokounmpo. It could also be the appeal for a James Harden type, too. If he wants to take his game to a next, next level, Miami might be the place for him. I don't think Miami has enough to get it done. Tyler Hero, Kendrick, Kelly Olenek, you name it. Andre Iguodala, just for salary cap purposes. I, I don't know. Maybe they'll consider it if you throw in a couple future firsts too, but it seems unlikely unless, I mean, I, I can't imagine Rockets fans looking at that trade and saying, yeah, that's a good deal. But it's more about acquiring a par- player in the Rockets roster on the edges there. And I think maybe a guy like P.J. Tucker certainly would fit in with what Miami does well. He's a guy you can plug in at three through five, He's held every position there. He defends at a high level. He's a 3-and-D player. If you lose Jay Crowder in free agency, and there's a good chance that you might. A guy like P.J. Tucker, while he fits what they have there, I think you could certainly make a case that maybe you could trade O'Linick there to be a, a guy who could put up a lot of points as a complementary scorer to Harden. And Westbrook, he's a guy that spaces the floor. Obviously, they'd want that. If you don't care too much about what you're giving up defensively, maybe you can have... Olenek there as your starter, a guy who is again, he's going to stretch the floor. He's going to make plays. It kind of makes sense for the, both the Rockets and the Heat. You can get a guy like P.J. Tucker who can slide into Crowder's spot. You're going to love him here in South Florida. I think anybody listening to this show who hasn't watched P.J. Tucker and what he's done for the Rockets and, and, and for the Raptors before that, you're going to be very impressed if you could make an acquisition for P.J. Tucker. But I'm not sure what the numbers are. I'm not Andy Ellisberg. I'm not very good at crunching the numbers and seeing how it works. But P.J. Tucker is a heat culture guy. I'll leave it at that. And if that's the case, you make a trade for him. Robert Covington's another good option. Austin Rivers, you saw what happened with the loss of Goran Dragic in the finals. You didn't really have a competent playmaker. And while that's the next step, perhaps for Tyler Hero, if you keep him on this roster, you can also acquire a veteran point guard. And a guy like Rivers certainly fits that role. He's Look, he's viewed very negatively because he's Doc Rivers' son or because... He's somewhat childish, perhaps, to a certain degree, or I'm not sure what the issue is. Maybe it's because he's another Duke player, and there's certainly certainly a number of Duke connections already in the Miami Heat front office, Battier and Harrison, of course, but I think Rivers is a much better player than a lot of people D as far as his overall impact is concerned. He's a good shooter. He's a lanky body. I think he could be good here if you want to make that kind of trade, so that's what you're looking at when you're looking at what's going on with the Rockets front office and, and the possible upheaval, possible dysfunction. Yeah, is it fun to entertain the idea of a James Harden? Sure. Russell Westbrook, let me just put that out there right now. There's no chance in hell that Miami makes that trade for him. I spent most of last summer debating why that was a terrible idea, and while I came around to the idea of adding Westbrook because he's a personality, because he brought some attention to Miami well before the Jimmy Butler acquisition, there's no way it was going to fit here. I, I just, there's, that money is god-awful And it's unfortunate for the Rockets that they have to pay it, but better them than us. So as far as Miami's future is concerned, there's a bright one. You want to make complimentary changes. You want to bring in another player here or there that can add to this roster and fit in perfectly. To me, a guy like P.J. Tucker absolutely does that. So if you're looking to make a change, Pat Riley, P.J. Tucker is probably the way to go. Coming up later this week, I'll continue my look back on the past season and Miami's incredible run to the finals, plus bringing you the latest rumors and news around the NBA. If you want to stay up to date, What better way to do that than by subscribing and following this podcast to get the latest episodes as soon as they're out. I'm David Rimmel signing off and thanking you as always for your support.